Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Let's find Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. You want to swap that like it may be um, normal play, just something. Just change it up a little. How's that? Yeah, that'll be good. Amen. Is anybody too cold? Too hot? Everybody feel good? Amen. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. Um, I want to find a verse of scripture here. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20. Before we read, we want to pray. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for your spirit that resides in us as a teacher. That leads and guides us into all truth. Father, we thank you that your word says we have not need of any man to teach us for the spirit of the Lord God within us will teach us and guide us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, I pray today that I lean not on my own study, on my own gifting, my own talent, but I lean upon you this morning, Father, to teach us and to lead us into a truth. Father, I pray that you would open our ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Give us eyes to see God. And Father, I pray take us deeper in you, Lord. That is my prayer. God, I want to go deeper in your heart. I want to go deeper in your love. And I thank you, Father, the closer I get, the more your light comes on inside of me. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning, bless the people with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I promise you before I'm done this morning, you will be saying old millions today, amen. I got one of those kinds of words. You ready? How many knows if you just had ice cream all the time, you'd be way out of shape and unhealthy? You got to have broccoli, asparagus, Brussels sprouts. We didn't, um, I didn't eat broccoli until I married Catherine. Her family cooked broccoli with everything. I mean, every meal. They had broccoli for breakfast. And so um, gave me, I had to acquire a taste for it, amen? And so, uh, but now I love it. And um, so... Proverbs chapter 4, you there? If you ain't found it by now, you probably ain't going to find it. Just trust that I'm reading it to you, okay? I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, and I want to start in verse 20. He says, listen carefully, my dear children, to everything that I teach you. and Pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Look at this. This is the Holy Spirit talking here, the spirit of wisdom. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health. Look at this, man. Into the very core of your being. Look at verse 23. So above all, guard the affections of your heart. So above all, guard the affections of your heart for they will affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. I want to preach today on the subject of quit cussing. Church, it's time we quit cussing. No, I'm not going to preach on that. But Friday night, uh, I got a call. Uh, Catherine and I went to dinner. I got a call. Someone wanted to come up to my house, and it was Dawson. And Dennis wanted to come up to my house and show me something. And um, they, uh, this is where this message was born. I was born before this. 
I'm just going to tell you, love, just trying to break the ice because y'all locked dead up in here this morning. But um, so we, um, <laughs> they come up to my house and they wanted me to come look at something in the truck. And I would figured that they had killed a snake. So I was prepared to see a rattlesnake or something laying in the back of the truck. And um, so they had this thing laying in the back of the truck. And you know how you prepared to see a rattlesnake or moccasin or whatever it was. And then it said, we got this before it got to your house. But Pastor, it was coming over here to your house. And they had a, about a seven-foot alligator laid in the back of that truck hanging out. You know what I'm saying? And before I realized it, I mean, praise the Lord, but jumped out of my mouth. You know what I'm saying? So we got some sanctification to work on, including me in the room. Come on now. So this is why I want to preach from this this morning. Notice that the author right here uh, is taking us to guard your heart for out of it will flow the issues of life. You with me? So he says, pay attention to your inner well-being. Pay attention to the affections of your heart that out of it will flow the issues of life. Now, how many knows this? Let me tell you two things that there, there are things that are put together in the Bible that God says, let no man put asunder, right? And that's more than husband and wife. That's tithe and offering. But let me tell you two things that are together that also that you can really tell by the well-being of your heart. There's two things that's connected. How many knows that your mouth and your speech is totally connected to your heart? So you can listen to how you talk, and that'll tell you how the well-being of your heart is. You can always tell right where someone's living by the way they talk. If someone's always going down, things are bad, That you know, that they're always going down. That's because they're unhealthy on the inside. Are you with me now? So I want to talk about this because I feel like the Lord showed me something maybe a week ago, uh, two weeks ago. Pastor Junior preached for me. I was down preaching at the Adel Church of God last Sunday. Enjoyed it down there. Uh, Pastor Ashley has they're just a great people, great church, and just enjoyed that um, being down there to just to celebrate him and his years of ministry down there. And so, but on Friday, Friday was a week ago. I was, I was in a phone conversation. I called someone, and um, my speech just was not great. Have you ever been in one of those moments? Um, maybe I'm the only one. Um, Danny cuts up and says, you know, John Abo, you know what I'm saying? But I'm trying to lose that part of me. How many knows that's not in the new nature? That's in the old nature. And, um, and so I'm going somewhere. I got a lot of scripture, so we just take time to set it up, okay? I'll get anointed in a minute. So I was on this phone conversation. And someone had, it, it was it was springing from a conversation that I had the day before that I'd never let that conversation go. So I get animated on the phone. This is a Friday afternoon. Um, I, I've done got animated on the phone. And the pastor that I was talking with um, was, uh, he just began to share some things with me. And I really felt the Lord come in my truck when he, he just began to share some things with me. And by this time, um, we, we, we get off the phone conversation. I pick up John Bentley and Asher. I'm going to the pig to get something to cook for dinner that night. Uh, it, it's Friday night, so I was just going to put something on my trigger, and we were going to eat out by the pool. And so as I'm coming out of the pig, um, all of a sudden my thoughts go from, from not from dinner, uh, not from uh, what we were going to do that afternoon, uh, my thoughts immediately go to, to a small book that I read in my early 20s. How many knows this is the Holy Spirit intervening right here? So, so my thoughts go from, from, I mean, there's no praise and worship playing. I don't have the Bible in my hand. I'm not in prayer. I just get off a conversation. I pick up my children. I go into the pig, and as I'm walking out of the pig, my mind immediately goes to this small book. It's like 50-something pages that I read in my early 20s. And as my thought process began to go to that book, I hear the Spirit of the Lord in my innermost being, and He says, John, you are under the influence. Y'all ever been under the influence? He said, you are under the influence of a fault-finding spirit. I'm like, what? That's the thought that come to my heart. That's what just entered into my, into my thing. So I get in the truck. And immediately my thoughts are racing. So I immediately go home and I just begin to search and I be tried to, to search this book and um, I knew I had it somewhere, but I couldn't find the book. So I get on YouTube and I'm trying to say, well, maybe this man had it in a, in a message. I, and and I, I couldn't even remember what this guy looked like because I had not read any of his writings uh, since I was in my early 20s or, or I haven't even, I don't think I've ever even heard him preach. I was just, re just happened to read this book in my early 20s. 
And so, man, I begin to go home and I begin to study. And so this is the fruit of the study of where I've been at. And so, um, so I want to talk about this. What is the purpose of this? Let me tell you this, that the fault-finding spirit, and I'm not one to talk about spirits but the Holy Spirit, but I'm just trying to tell you what I feel like the Lord said. And I'm probably not the only one that's in this room that is under this thing. When you and I had a meeting, I knew then that connected the dots to the conversation you and I had in my office. Because how do you walk up here to the front door of this church and all of a sudden you're not thinking about something and then a thought enters into your mind. And here's the purpose of this spirit. The purpose of the fault-finding spirit is actually, if you study it out in the Bible, it will take you to the accuser of the brethren. And the accuser of the brethren is a spirit that comes upon people. Come on, somebody. And we get under that influence to take us off of the perfection of Jesus onto the imperfections of ourselves. How many knows that we're all imperfect in this room? Every one of us has got makeup on, and every one of us is showing our best side forward. Come on now. You don't have to look for long to find fault in one another. But our focus is not to be on the imperfection of each other. Our focus should be on the perfect one, which is Jesus Christ. Even when they, even in the old covenant, the mercy seat, the mercy seat is where the blood sacrifice was. When God instructed Moses to create the mercy seat, he said, put two cherubim on there, and the cherubim's wings touched as a sign of unity. But their head, this is where he said, make it a beaten work. I love, I've preached a message on this called beaten worship. Listen, he said, make the cherubim a beaten work, and the, and the, and their heads were tilted down, not facing, looking at each other, but on the blood sacrifice. How many knows that is what our focus should be as we come together as a corporate body of believers? So there's never been a time, and listen, I even begin to think like this. Look at the church when we just go through the election, how everybody was so excited at all of this corruption. We should never be we should never be celebratory when corruption is uncovered. I'm talking about as far as when exposure comes to people. Because the same measure you judge out, the same measure that you meet out is the same measuring line that's coming back into your life. Are you with me now? So it, the purpose of this spirit is to get our affection, is, is to get our eyes off of the perfection of Jesus and onto the imperfect, I mean, on the imperfections of ourselves instead of the perfection of Jesus. The spirit, the, the spirit causes us to spend our days and even weeks unearthing old faults and sins in others. We become spiritual archaeologists digging in the past, looking for fossils of what people's done to us in our lives. Anybody ever been here? Now, Look at this verse of scripture in Galatians chapter 6. It's going to be one of these days. I can already feel it. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 1 through 3. He said, My beloved brother, my beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, May the one who overflows with the Spirit. The King James renders that word, he who is spiritual. This is a mature person is supposed to step in. Now, how many knows this? I remember watching, um, remember when Ted Hager, I, I, when Ted Hager, when he uh, had a moral failure uh, at the church in Colorado. I remember a leader standing up saying, every time the church gets to show the love of God as an example of what to do in family, we always blow it. Come on, y'all. If somebody called you and said that there was a minister just preached a great sermon, probably 90% of you would not even listen to the message. But if someone called us and let out said this great minister whom we have great respect for had a moral failure and they're going to release it on the news tonight, everybody would be tuning in. This is the appetite we have for the negativity about one another's lives. I'm preaching to the I'm preaching to the choir that are watching online, not to you in the building, okay? So look, he says, he says, beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who is overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him, win him over what with gentle words, not condemning words, but gentle words, which will open his heart to you and will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Now it says that when we know somebody, how many knows when you're in the family of God, in a church that people are going to mess up? If you don't know that, let me give you a news flash. Folk in here is going to mess up. I said folk in here going to mess up. We're going to mess up because we're human beings, okay? So when we mess up, how do we deal with the mess ups? It says those who are spiritual go to the person 
and restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Don't approach him like, I can't believe you've done that. Come on, somebody. Not in a condemning way. It says, lest the same thing come upon you. Now, notice what he says here. Let's keep reading. He says, love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you are too important to stoop down to help one another, to help another, you are living in deception. I think sometimes in the church, we've been in the church so long, we forgot our journey of where we came from. I ain't going to get no help this morning. I said sometimes in the church, hold on, hold on just a second. Adam. I think that sometimes in the church that we forgot where we come from. But y'all, we ain't always had it together. I'm, and I may be the only one in the room, but I've not always had it together. I've had a lot of issues in my life. And I've had people that were willing to step into the messes of my life to help me overcome in some areas. They, they did not give up hope on me. They did not treat me like I was less than. And they did not beat me up over the issues in my life. They were willing to step in and be an encouragement and be a strength in my life and help me overcome some things. This is how we deal when, when, when people make mistakes in the church people will make mistakes that's just the that's just the that's just life good people mess up now the spirit of this spirit that i'm trying to deal with this morning it always masquerades itself as discernment now let me say this i do believe in the gift of discernment i have the gift of discernment and catherine is short of sharp with the gift of discernment and i do know have people around me that are sharp with the gift of discernment but here's the thing i do not trust my own eyes sometimes unless i know that i know that i hear the voice of god i do believe this that god how many believes that god is long suffering towards people you can see things in people's life and you say well why don't you deal with that pastor why don't you just deal with that because God is long-suffering towards people. How many knows that Jesus was not shocked and surprised that Peter made the, I mean that Judas made the failure of stealing from the treasure. He never put him in that position for him to fail. He put that him in that position to strengthen that area in his life and to overcome. So God is long-suffering towards us. We're not long-suffering towards each other, but God is long-suffering towards us. Now, so we have this gift that God told me. And, and I don't want to get on this on the soapbox, but there have been more believers killed by lead poisoning than anything I know of. We feel led to do this. Well, why do you feel led to do this? So I'm just saying that there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel of the people you have around you that have a total different vision, that see different than the way you do, that come from different backgrounds than you do, so that you can make sure that you are hearing the voice of God. Well, I hear God myself, Pastor. I just don't need that. Well, that's good. Let's look at the fruit of that. Not, uh, not in a six-month period of time. Let's look at that over five years, over ten years. So this spirit of discernment, God's, well, God showed me this. Well, let's look at what the Bible says right here. Let's look at this. In Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8. Now, here's the thing. There's a book that uh, you can come off the stage, but I don't want that to step back. Come on. You come on. You come on. Y'all, y'all. Okay. I just don't want you to feel. I just, all right. There's a book that I remember read. Um, gosh, Catherine, this would have been, this is when we were still, and this is before we ever planned the first church. There was a book. Kim Mullis gave me this book written by Dennis Kramer, I think it is. It's called, um, um, Christian curses. Anybody ever, I mean, it was like, well, I'm thinking, how in the world can a Christian be, be, you know, how can they be cursed or whatever? But I can tell you this, we can look in the Bible where God's given you the power that you can bless or curse. And here's the thing, the reason why we can't take out giants because we can't get the crosshairs outside the church onto the enemy. So, but we masquerade this thing because under the spirit of discernment. God showed me this. Now, let's look at this when it comes to God's leaders and elders and things such as this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31. I might have to get me some glasses. All right. Romans 8. Make sure right here. Verse 31, you there? So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, 
if God has determined to stand with me, who then ever stand against us? If God has determined to stand with us, then who in the world could ever stand against us? Look at what it says. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold us, hold from us anything else he has to give. Who then could dare accuse those whom God has chosen in love? Look at this. The King James says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Now, let's just say this. When you pick up the phone because of what God shows you, man, it's quite a funny if when you pick up the phone because of what God showed you in secret that is negative about Matt, you just brought a charge against him. Now, the Bible says who can bring a charge against him? Am I, am I reading right? Y'all okay? All right. So who can bring a charge against him? Look at this. Then who, who, all right, so then who would dare accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them not guilty. Now, who in here is declared not guilty? It doesn't mean that you ain't done nothing. Come on now. But it means in here that when you, when you are walking with the Lord, God has forgiven your sin. Are you with me now? I said God has forgiven your sin. Now, this is where we've been preaching at. So the role of the believer, I only have one option when something's been done me wrong, and that is forgiveness, right? I can't move in retaliation. I can't move in I'm going to get an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I cannot do that, right? So the only option I have is forgiveness. So when God comes in here, he deems you not guilty this morning, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has already done. He was the perfect sacrificial lamb, and he has deemed us in this room not guilty. All right? Now, so who's going to bring the charge? All right, look at this. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. Even more than that, he has conquered death as it is now and is now risen, exalted and thrown by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Here's where we, here's where it really gets through. This is how we know that we're up under this because we begin to see the individual. What happens is this fault finding or this accuser of the brethren usually settles in when we cannot move into unforgiveness. We become critical of one another. And now it has begun to affect the speech that I have. It begins to affect the speech that I have, and it begins to affect how I see that individual. Now I don't see that individual through the eyes of God. I begin to see them as the enemy. Anytime your enemy turns into flesh and blood, you have already begun to fail. Because the Bible clearly says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're wrestling something that has hijacked that individual, and it is causing, it is using them like puppet on a string. So you can't go after the individual. You've got to go after what's influencing the individual in the realm of the spirit. Now, what happens is this. I remember, I, I have to go back. i got to go back in the early days. But I remember how this affects us. How does this affect us when, when people begin to talk and people begin to gossip? Now, here's what happens. Usually in the natural body, in my physical body, how disease happens is a cell does not want to be no longer part of a body, but it's, it begins to isolate itself. Is that not what happens in the natural body? Disease sets up like cancer is when the cells break rank in one another and they become a cell within themselves. Then they start pulling other cells and pulling other cells, and now I got a couple of things going on in the body. So I remember we were, we were, we were, we were going and and things were good, and all of a sudden, man, it just got into like, it was just very hard. It was always like an umbrella was over the room. I mean, we couldn't break through with nothing. I mean, it didn't matter what we had. We could see Rick Pino cut off the giant's head. I mean, everything. I mean, it was just hard. It was just, it was just something wasn't right in there, but I could never put my finger on it. And so I began to pray and I began to seek the Lord. And I said, God, begin to show us, begin to show us what's going on in, in the room. Now, how many knows this? If you have never, if you have never met David, you have never seen him nor, nor ever met him. Let me show you how this affects us. 
I can tell you, I could come in here and tell you what a great guy David is, that I trust him with my life and everything, and he's anointed. I mean, just all of these great things, you're going to receive him because you trust what my, my relationship is with him. But if you have never met David, I'm going to show you how we can curse him right here. I come in here and say, you know what, man, I've known David for years. He's never changed. He's been married seven times. And I just don't trust him. Your heart will automatically be closed by the power of my words that I said about him. How does people go from super anointed leaders to nothing and nobodies? By the power of the speech. And you start getting people that will listen to your ear. And here's the thing. Listen to this. As this is a good quote, and I got this from Jensen Franklin. Never be concerned about the ankle bites of lesser men. People are going to talk, and you got to learn how to rise above it. But one of the things that I found out that even back then, that God was trying to take me down to the path to, be, to break me from the fear of man. And so to do that, God will, to get us free from the praises of men, God will baptize us in the criticisms of men. Are you with me now? And that's not a fun baptism. So in this, I couldn't find out what, where's the disjointment coming? Where's the disunity coming? Whatever. So we come by, me and Catherine left the restaurant one night, and we come by, and there was three families, and they were in this circle. They was like circled up. Three families was in this circle, and there was a guy standing in the middle. And when I saw that, God just, I mean, it was like he cut the, I mean, it's like a snapshot. And I said, there's where the fragmentation's coming, right there. This is, this is, this is gossip and backbiting. It's quiet as a mouse in here, but that's okay. All right, so look at this. So, so we cannot bring a charge against God's elect. When you bring a charge, you're not speaking against the individual. You're speaking against God. Let's look right here in First, in First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. First Timothy 5, 17. First Timothy chapter 5, if I can find it. I think it's right after the Exodus, and I'm trying to find it. First Timothy chapter 5. Look at this in verse, in verse 17. Right here. All right. To all, to, to all the rich of this world, I will command you to not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity. Man, I wrote this wrong. Jesus help me right here. Maybe look at uh let's look right here and see if I wrote it right here. This is not going good. It, it closed the live stream. Anyhow, where is it where it says it's in the book of Timothy where Paul's writing and he says, find it right there for me, somebody, where he says that we do not receive an accusation of an elder. Where is that at? Somebody hit the Google, Siri. Where is we? I wrote it down wrong. Huh? 519? Oh, I, I did. I just started out. Oh, that's no wonder. It's in first time. I was in, I was in wrong right here. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Help me right. But let's look at verse 17. The pastor who leads the church well should be paid well. They should receive double honor for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the word of God. For the scripture says, have, have taught us, do not muzzle the, an ox or forbid it to eat while it grinds out the grain. And also the one who labors deserves his wages. Refuse to listen, look at this, to suspicious accusations against the pastor who leads the flock unless you have two or three witnesses to confirm the accusation. So here's the thing. When someone says, I discern this, this is a good rule of thumb. Who else has discerned that? Because what I'm telling you is your discernment could be skewed from a wounded place in your own soul. And you're seeing from a past hurt. And you think that you're seeing it right. Come on, somebody. How many knows when they put Jesus on the cross, they thought they were seeing it correctly and they had it completely wrong? So he says, don't receive an accusation of an elder or leader Unless you got a witness. Now, this word witness is not the word witness here. Does it mean because somebody called you on the phone and now you're a witness to it? A witness is an eyewitness of account. 
something that could stand up in a court of law and easily go through the court system and be proven. So it says we shouldn't give accusation, we shouldn't give ear to accusation of each other. How many times are we guilty of listening to the accusation of others? I'm just telling you, man, I'm just on this journey where the church is crying out for revival like it's going to come in a suitcase, and we got all of these heart issues in the church, and we wonder why we can't get people healed. And where's the power of God? And where's God showing up in our worship? Because we want it. All right, let's, let's keep going. Right here, let's look at another set of scripture. All right. Do you got proof? So where's the proof? Do you have proof of this? All right. Verse 20 of Ephesians 4. Right here. But this is the, not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and, and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. Who's, who, who's God trying to, who, who, the devil and God is trying to do two things. Both of them's trying to kill us for two different purposes. God's trying to kill the old you so the new you could come alive. There's two things God give us to live victorious in this life. He gave us the new nature and the cross. The word of God is so we'll embrace the new nature. Come on, somebody. And the cross is to kill the crucified, the old man. So anytime, I'm just trying to show you this. Listen to this. This is a good litmus test. So any, because your speech, your speech is a litmus test. Are you living out the new nature or the old nature? Let me say this. To slander someone, you must pull off the new nature in Christ Jesus and get back in the old nature. All right, let's go further right here. Where are we at? Ephesians 20, 420. So, and be, tra listen to this. Okay, right. But this is not the way the life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced an anointed one and heard this truth, heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from del delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and life in union with him. For God has created you all over again in his perfect righteousness. What? You were regenerated into perfection. Look at this. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So disregard. What is he saying here? You got to embrace the new reality that is within you, which is the transformed nature, which is the regenerate man that entered into you. Now, how do you do this? You got to discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you will be known as the one who speaks the truth for we for we all belong to one another. Look at this. Now he's saying, not only you no longer your own in the new creation, but now you've been placed in a family. We belong to one another. But don't let the passions of your emotions. Come on now. Don't let the passions of your emotions. I have failed this test before. I preached about it from here a couple weeks ago. Don't let the passion of your emotions. How many knows your emotions will lead you astray? You remember when Peter walked on water, the waves or whatever, the, that are, that's just like your emotions. And if you get locked, if you get focused off of Jesus and onto your emotions, you will begin to sink. We're to be led by our spirit. Look at this. Don't let the passions of your emotions lead you to sin. It's not a sin to become angry. It's what you do with that anger that can lead you into sin. All right, look at this. Don't let your anger control you or be fueled for revenge, nor for even a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser. Here it is. Look at this. Don't give this spirit, look at this, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. 
Holy smokes. I mean, I'm born again, tongue talking. We're going to get into that in just a second. That's, the, that's one of the issues. We got tongue talkers instead of flame talkers. But I found, I, I got a revelation of this. In Acts chapter 2 was not an emphasis of unknown tongues, but of tongues of flame of fire. And the church, we built a whole denomination on the unknown tongue. God's not looking for an unknown tongue. He's looking for a tongue of fire that's come under the sanctification of Malachi 3 that, like he says it was a refiner's fire. Are you with me now? So, so he says, he says, don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Now, let's take the average right here in the South where you and I live. Don't say this ain't true. You take the average couples going out to dinner. Within 10 minutes, we are devouring the flesh of our fellow believers. Gosh, it's funny. That may be just us. Leviticus 18.6 says, None of you shall approach any blood relative of his and uncover his nakedness. So it should not be God commands, he says, for, for, for I am the Lord. In other words, don't uncover somebody in the church that you know something's going wrong. Don't uncover their sin. There should be a heart to cover that brother in love. Love covers a multitude of sin. There should not be a desire to see the person uncovered. Matthew 24, 28 says, Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will be gathered. Those who enjoy backbiting are like vultures feeding on the lower nature. They seek what is dead and is attracted to what is dying. Jesus said where the corpse is, there the, orchard, the vultures will be gathered. One translation says wherever the, the, the corpse is, there the eagles will be gathered. Eagles do not eat off of dead things on the side of the roads. That's vultures, friend. Eagles track their own prey down. That's how you could tell the difference between the eagle and the buzzard in the family of God. The buzzard is always tracking down a revelation somebody else got. Come on, somebody. But the eagle is in the heights with God tracking down his own prey. So where the corpse is, there the vultures will be gathered. So anytime we are celebrating the failure or we are discussing a fallen brother, I, I've done this. I was guilty of this four weeks ago at the table, and Catherine looked at me, and she said, you need to get along with God when we got back home. She said, your speech has changed. When you bring up someone, listen to me. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help you from my own failures. When you listen, if somebody comes to you or that is talking about somebody else, you can rest assured it is a matter of time before they are talking to, about you to somebody else. So, so I, I was like, but I, I was unaware that my speech had gotten to the point it was at. I've got some great counselors in my life. I looked at a pastor Thursday and said, I don't even trust my own self. Look at this. What do you see? What do you see? The Bible says that when you only judge yourself, you look into the mirror and you shortly forget what kind, what kind of man you're beholding in that mirror. You need a set of eyes on you to tell you the truth. That you ain't got it all together. You got a long ways to go, buddy. I was like, I hate to hear that. <laughs> I wish it was overnight. It, 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 we joined the, we, people in the gym. They go work out four times. And they want to, I mean, you know what I'm saying? They want to look like Arnold. It don't happen like that. If it did, everybody would be in the gym. It's painful. It's not fun. Y'all with me? But how many knows this? The continual breaking down of that muscle and letting it heal will build strength, and it will it will come together over time. I wish it would come like that. I'm one of those. My gosh, I'm working so hard. You know what I'm saying? I've I've fasted a ton this week. I've worked hard. You know what I'm saying? I've I've busted it in the gym. I've been doing everything I can. I jumped on the scales this morning. I gained two and a half pounds. I said the devil is an absolute lie in the name of Jesus. I bind you right now. You lying spirit from hell. You know what I'm saying? But I got two choices. I can either get discouraged and give up, and Catherine just says, you know what? You just continue to do what you're doing. 
Continue to bring the application to it. All right. I will tell you a funny story that we was in and I was cutting up, and I don't know why I did this, but I guess I thought I was, you know, 20 years old or something. I put this big plate on my chest and was inverted, you know what I'm saying, going to do a bunch of sit-ups. Well, I did them, and I was proud, you know what I'm saying, with a whole plate on my chest right now. I was doing, you're cranking them out. The following morning, I went to get up, and I couldn't even get out of bed. So the words, the words, the word, our speech is an overflow of the condition of our heart. Let's look at this in Matthew 12. I'm almost done here. In Matthew chapter 12, let's look at this in, um, in verse 35. Matthew 12, verse 35. Let's look right here. When virtue is stored within, listen to this. When virtue is stored within, the hearts of good and upright people will produce good fruit. When what? When virtue is stored within. So in other words, you've been in communion with the Father. You've been, you're getting broken in the secret place. The kingdom life is flowing into your heart. Good stuff's going to come out. Look what he says. But when evil is hidden within, is this possible, Pastor? Listen to this. But when evil is hidden within... Those who are evil will produce evil fruit. You can be sure of this. When the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held accountable for every careless word. Holy smokes. Did we just read that in the Bible? Listen to this. When the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Your very words will be used as evidence against you or your words will declare you innocent or guilty. God's making a connection here between the heart and the mouth. All you have to do, listen to me, is listen to people speak. They will tell you right where they're at. Just listen to them. Now there is some, there are some, there are some good Christianese out there. I've seen it now. You know what I'm saying? Matt and I were in a conversation the other day with someone, and I told him, I said, I'm glad we had shorts on. It was getting a little deep up in here. But what was coming out of their mouth was everything right. But I'm telling you, the lips was moving, but the heart was a total different deal. And it didn't take long to discern that. But nevertheless, they a believer. And, and, and instead of praying P-R-E-Y on them, I got to learn how to P-R-A-Y for them. Come on, somebody. And say, God, let the speech and the heart line up. All right. So he's saying that for you, the believer, that you will be judged for every idle word. Now, let me say this. To the Christian, to the Christian believer, there is never, there is never just a, just a word that flows from your mouth. Your words have power. Let's, let's, y'all right? Right here. Let's look at this. Verse of scripture right here. Right, let's go a little further right here. All right. Let's look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. All right, here's some fun scriptures right here. These is probably posted on your refrigerator. My dear brothers and sisters, don't be so eager to become a teacher in the church since you know that, that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. Watch out now. How many knows there's a little bit different than a baby cutting up than a grown man cutting up? All right, look at this. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Gosh, I love the way he's writing it. Yet, if if we're yet if we're able to bridle, if we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. Mm. 
And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Let's just say this. We have to make an honest assessment here. If we cannot control our mouth, we are not mature. Now, you may be an adolescent, a teenager, no longer a baby. But look at this. That means that our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. It's all right here. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. Have you ever done that? Huh? Have you ever struck a match and caused a little flame to flare up? You know, you ain't never done that in your marriage. See, everybody thinks Catherine's real sweet, man. Lord, she is a sweet gentleman. Let me tell you something. That woman is a, is a blind. <laughs> How about I want to tell something? She get on to me, so I'm going to quit. She got plenty to tell on me. But, but what usually turns her into a line is the small rudder on this large body called the tongue. You see what I'm saying here? James is telling you what? What has great power on your body? Your tongue. Just think of how small flame, a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness. And it is the most dangerous part of our human body. Oh, my gosh. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and the land, have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It is fickle unrestrained evil that spews out toxic words, I mean, to, uh, spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father, then turn around to curse a person who was made in his very image. Oh, Lord. We come into church, Shanda Kanda, Simitamata, come on now. Walk right out of the house of God, Go to the lunch menu and go start eating at the buffet and slandering folk. But we holy, ready for revival. Mm. Lord Jesus, I'm going to go home fast. Then we turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise. One minute and curse the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go put figs from a, or pick figs from a grapevine? Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. Let me say this, where the areas of bitterness from offense enter into our life that there is no healing of, we can never produce fresh water. We can only produce mouth service for a little bit of time until we get healed in this area to allow the fresh water to begin to flow. So what he's saying, listen, with the same power, with the same anointed tongue, I can come in here, preach the house down, you with me? We had someone we were talking to, man, the power of God was showed up, was ministering to the other day. 
I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. tongue. Oh. Ha. <laughs> Suzuki Honda right there, Father. <laughs> when Paul's writing in the, to the Corinthian church about tongues, see, we, we was... We would say, well, we don't want to speak in tongues on Sunday morning because we're trying to create a secret environment so that no one will be offended. But he said that tongues is not a sign to the believer, but tongue, the tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. What is it? It's, the, it? it's a sign to the unbeliever that God is in our midst because what has become untamed has now become tamed, and it is under the influence of Almighty God. Now, he's saying, with this tongue, you got power. How many really believe that in this room? If we would, if we did believe that, you wouldn't walk around saying your head's killing. I would never, even like when my boys playing baseball or whatever. I remember Grant come home one time. He had a bad tournament. And he says I can't hit. Every time he would get in a slump, he says I can't hit. I said that's an absolute lie. That's an absolute lie. I said you cannot say that out of your mouth. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue you got. And it goes on to say that we shall eat the fruit of our own mouth. If you don't like what's being served, change your language because you are creating that fruit with your own mouth. So James is saying, hey, this, thing, this thing's bad. Now in Isaiah chapter 6, when the glory of God showed up, the first thing he cried out was not sin revival. He didn't cry out for signs, wonders, and miracles. When the glory of God filled that place, the first thing he says is, I am undone. I am a man of what? Unclean lips. My speech has not been correct. And then he goes on to say, for I dwell in a people of unclean lips. Now let me just say this. When you go through the election like we just did, whether you're Democrat or Republican, makes no difference to me. But it is you cannot watch a news cycle, whether whatever, it's according to however you affect whatever news you're watching, okay? If you're watching MSNBC, Trump's bad. If you're watching uh, uh, Fox or something else, I mean, uh, Biden's bad. You with me? But we have believers wanting this plane to fall out of the sky. You have believers trying to curse the entire Trump family. Where is that in your Bible? Let me tell you this. You've cleanly stepped out of the Holy Spirit, and you have been now come under the influence of hell. Huh? Well, so I didn't don't realize that I've been hijacked. So walking out the pig, God said, listen here, son, you're under the influence. How many knows if, you, if you're if you under the influence, then you're no longer the one, your spirit man is no longer influencing you as something that has hijacked you. Then we become critical in the way we think. We ha we start having thoughts that enter into our mind. I'm just telling you this, dear friends, whether you want to believe it or not, there are spirits that influence cities all across this nation. And you could go into a city and you're not thinking a certain way and all of a sudden you start thinking these certain thoughts. It is not originating inside of you. It is originating from an external pressure of spirits that are abiding over that city. I knew this. I remember one time Kathy and I were driving back from Savannah. And it was when my dad was in the hospital. And we got about to Hinesville. I told Kathy, I said, you're going to have to drive the car. I said, I'm so heavy, I can't even hardly function. I said, man, there's some demonic stuff happening in this place tonight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got so heavy, couldn't realize it. We, we, were, we were studying some things or whatever at this particular time. Time we make it to Jess, I can't even hardly function. Well, I forgot that my mom in the hospital, I'd never take any type of medication. I had a headache, which is very uncommon, and she gave me two Excedrin PMs. Man, I was about to fall out the time we made it. You know what I'm saying? And Catherine had to run into church, and when she come out, I was asleep in the car. I thought I was battling the spirit world. So I'm just trying to tell you, let me give you another example. Let me give you one other example. My discernment ain't always correct, even though I got a strong gift of discernment. Catherine and I yesterday and today, we were married twice in two different days. We celebrated 20 years of, uh, of marriage. So I've been married this one for 20 years. We were, we were on a date going to Jekyll Island. 
And we were on the beach that night. And we were praying. We were honestly praying. That's the God's honest truth. And so, anyhow, I told Catherine, I mean, the power of God was just very strong. And I told Catherine, I said, don't turn around. I said, do not look. I said, these angels standing right there. You can see them. See them with my natural eye. Catherine immediately, she turned, because I told her, don't look. She turned around and looked. And there was three large beings that was hovering in the air. And Catherine, boy, she cut off in tongues. We was out there. He cut up all, you know, just was going after it. So these angels didn't move, Trent. The more I approached them, they did not move. And so I got about maybe from here to the wall, and the angels that I had discerned that we was just speaking in tongues, declaring the glory of God and all this over our city, when we got up there close, the sprinklers had come on up there around the welcome center, water thing right there at Jekyll Island, and the, and the moonlight had the sprinklers where they was hitting the wall, had this mist created, and that was angel. I didn't discern it correctly. You with me? Let's close it right here with this. So he cries out, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm dwelling in a people of unclean lips. So you have to be careful. When you got embittered people around you, they will influence your speech and influence the way you think. You can begin to pick up what they are putting down. Are you with me now? This is the influence that he had. So in Acts chapter 2, I've done said this, the day of Pentecost when it was fully filled that the Spirit of God descended upon the church and cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. So here's where we go through the process of allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify our speech. Where now we can begin to bless one another. So look at this. All right. I ain't got time. Listen. Galatians 5, verse 13 and 15, this talks about Paul warned of Christian cannibalism. What? Have you, we don't have to go overseas and, and go to some of these foreign tribes to experience cannibalism. All you have to do is tend one of our local churches right here in Cook County for cannibalism. All you have to do is go to a third grade lunchroom hall and you can hear cannibalism. Y'all get off me now. Paul said, be careful lest you consume one another. He said it was possible that we could devour one another. All right, look at this. So Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. So like a key, the tongue can open two worlds, the world of light or the world of darkness. The tongue is like a key that can open two worlds, the world of light, the world of darkness. With me? Done right here. If blessing adds to life, then cursing takes away life. With me? If blessing builds up a life, then cursing tears down a life. Two things operating here. For the Christian, there is no such there is no such thing as a neutral spoken word. His words carry life or death, blessing or cursing, good or evil. If blessing gets the attention of heaven, then cursing gets the attention of hell to bring only evil into the life of another Christian. I know that there's no one in this room that is talking about anybody. I know that I had to preach this message for the camera and those that are watching, especially the ones on the east side. I'm talking to you this morning. I'm cutting up. <laughs> I'm going to get a text. <laughs> We're talking to you. I discern in my spirit there's someone around the Glen County area. God's talking to you. That's my discernment now. I could miss it. I told you I saw angels and it was sprinklers, so nobody's going to believe anything I have to say anymore. Stand to your feet and let's pray. I promise you this. We should pray this. Guys, you cut me on something back there. I don't care what you got. Just cut something on.
because I want us to pray together before we leave. Because you can't preach this right here without giving us opportunity to do a little work between you and God. That's, a, that's between you and the Lord. Now, I think this. You say, well, you know, let me say this. I had an individual, this was, this was years ago. I, I, was, I was with a group of people. And the senior pastor called me. And he said, John, I need, I, need, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So I went and saw him. And he said, he set me down. And he gave me a warning. He gave me a warning. And he said, you need to be aware of this situation right here. Because he said, it's going to cost you much harm. And let me say this. That pastor never spoke a negative word about that individual. But he did warn me of something he saw in the realm of the Spirit. And he said, I'm telling you, if that does not become adjusted, it will cause you harm. But I am, even though I am a very long-suffering person, believing that people can always get it right. I'll go to the I'll go to the depths. I've I've got a track record of almost 16 years proving that. But when 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 he was communicating to me, I knew what he was saying was true. But I said, you know what? This they'll get it right. They'll get it right. They'll get it right. They'll get it right. So he did not bring a curse on the person. So I'm just saying this. There is things that God will show you. If you're a businessman in this house, God will. there's things that God will warn you about. Hey, do not come in an agreement with that person. You with me? doesn't mean that you curse the person or whatever that you've done wrong by saying this. I mean, if you got a track record or you can't pay your bills, I'm not coming into an agreement with you in business. I mean, Jesse's not going to go build you a house. That's why the banker, when you have a 500 credit score, is not going to come into an agreement to loan you the money for the truck because there's a track record of what you've proven. You with me? But what I am talking about this morning is the cat. I just feel like there's, a, there's, a, there's, just a, there's just a little deal here for the casual conversation. We let it slip. That's just how they are. Just let it slip, and, we, and, it, and it becomes nothing. See, when you're up under the Spirit, you, you count it off as nothing. you just whatever. But I'm telling you from heaven, God don't count it as nothing. And I read you the Word of God this morning where God says you'll be judged by every word that comes out of your mouth. And we all will, especially one holding the mind. So, Father, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, that you would forgive me of speech that is not correct and not pleasing to you. Father, you would forgive me, Lord, of being a man of unclean lips. And I ask you by your grace this morning that you would take a fiery coal from the altar of heaven and you would touch our lips. That, Father, we would be a people that would speak edification. We would be a people to bless and build up, not to tear down. Father, we have so much tearing down going on in our nation because of different political views or, or all these other views that divide and separate. It has always, listen to this, it has always been the enemy that brings division. The enemy divides, then conquer. And what he uses, division, the number one tool of division he uses is our speech. So, Father, I pray this morning you would sanctify our mouths. Father, you would, you would touch us and you would forgive us and you would cleanse us. And Father, when we begin to open our mouths in a negative way, in a way that is not right before you, I pray that you would convict us in the name of the Lord God.
I pray, Father, that we would be in our homes, God, that we would be people that bless one another, encourage one another, lift one another up in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you this morning. God, you said that the tongue is powerful. We know it is, Lord. And, Father, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit to come this morning and put the bits in our mouth to bridle us, Lord God, so that, Father, we can we can run this race, God, with, in, with endurance, Lord God. Father, I pray this morning that you would remove every curse that has ever been spoken over every life in this room this morning, God. They would realize that you are 100% for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, let us not live under the weight of negative words any day forward, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise, honor, and glory for all that you're doing in our life. We trust you, Holy Spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Give God a great God bless you, friend. We'll see you here next week. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.